Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. In today's episode, I talk about rationality versus irrationality, choice and the ability for us to make something of our lives. If you enjoy this episode, please give it a rate and review and tell someone about it. And stick around to the end of the episode because I'll be playing you a piece from the book Bound to the Wings of a Butterfly. Enjoy. What are the chances that what we feel to be rationality, what we feel to be choice or free will, is in fact a visage, a fiction, just something overlaid on top of unconscious drivers or instinct? I have this little lot. Imagine a super intelligent alien or an AI or a god. Something, something that's, you know, far exceeds our cognitive capacities. Would they look at us, humans, in the same way we do animals? You know, like, you see animals acting and they act based on certain patterns and impulses and instincts. And we can easily map what they will do and we can easily manipulate what they will do, right? You see birds and a bird's job is to, or a bird's actions are to do certain things. They find food, they have sex, they, you know, sit on the eggs, they make the nest, they do certain behaviors over and over again. And their cognitive ability to sort of dissect why doesn't seem to be present. It's the same thing with most animals. But we feel that we're different because, you know, we have this overlay of consciousness, this 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 layer of rationality that sort of we we know why we're doing things we can choose the more i sit and meditate the more i observe my mental state the more i sort of contemplate the the way that my mind works it becomes at least to me more and more apparent that i post justify my actions it's like i have thought then i act then i justify the why backwards upon that going, okay, this is why I did that thing. So, like, let's say I decide to quit my job. Oftentimes, that thought seems to come out of the blue, and I do it. And then I think back and go, okay, well, this person was treating me badly, or, you know, I really wanted to follow this other job. That's why I thought to quit the job, and that's why I did quit the job. But the reality of it feels almost backwards. I read a book by the author of Dilbert called Win Bigly. This was a book breaking down Donald Trump's rise to power. And he, the author, highlighted, or through his training as a hypnotist, highlighted this idea that most humans believe that we're mainly rational. You know, 90% rational, 10% irrational. Conscious and subconscious. But he and hypnotists believe that it's the other way around, where... 90% unconscious or irrational with 10% of rationality. And what a master manipulator or a hypnotist or, you know, a a, um, politician like Trump was able to do was to appeal to that 90% rationality. Because if you get a person's irrationality on board, 90% of them, then they'll easily justify after the fact why. Thus, they can be manipulated. No, and, and, you know, this isn't, this is true for, for advertisements, for PR campaigns, for, for 
attract in a mate, you know, all of these things. It's There's so much psychology that you can look into that seems to suggest that we have innate drivers. You know, the idea that the studies that if you put kids in two different colored tops, they're exactly the same kids. You're just normal, normal friends, normal friends. And then one day you're like, okay, kids, half the class split up randomly is going to wear yellow tops. The other half of the class is going to wear blue tops. By the end of the day, the yellow tops are friends with the yellow tops and they're ostracizing the blue tops and vice versa. Nothing else has to be said. Nothing. We just do that, right? Um, there's, there's so many cases of these sort of behaviors. We, we believe that we're going to be lucky that we will win the lotto or that we won't suffer the disease, right? Despite the fact that if we look at chance, chance will occur, but we don't believe it'll happen badly to us, but everyone's doing that. On average, we think we are better looking than average. You know, if you ask a person to rank themselves out of 10, they'll say that there are seven on intelligence, personality, athletic ability, everything. We think we're better than average, but on average, we are average, obviously. And, you know, half of the people are below average. If someone has is an authority figure and they tell you to do something, you're more likely to follow them based on the fact that they're an authority figure. We despise saying no, right? All of these things, and there's so, so, so many more, but all of these, these sort of tests sort of correlate with what I'm saying here, that we don't we don't have a as much choice over our behaviors as we'd like to think, but it feels like we do. There's this illusion of control. I know I've been thinking about this a lot because I look back at my life and I go, okay, my choices led me here, but how much of my choice was actually my choice? And on top of that, the darker side of me goes, how can I use this knowledge to get what I want? But then the meta side of me goes, but isn't what I want still just a function of my unconscious, right? There's there's something to be said about all of this, this idea of control versus choice versus free will versus fate. I'm not saying like, you know, there's scientific suggestions that we don't even have free will, that, you know, the way that the... Uh, the atoms in the brain and the, you know, the, the choices land suggest that there isn't free will, but it still feels like we do. I guess all of those sort of arguments aside, I like to look at it and go, well, what is, is this information functional? Is it actionable? Does it give me anything to do with? And the sort of metaphysical discussions, the, the deep um, physics discussions of free will, doesn't doesn't help. But this idea of observing the irrationality of my own mind and realizing that I might be making decisions and then post-justifying them and sort of backwards justifying helps. It allows me to see the process in action. I've looked at people in my life and in life in general make snap irrational decisions just in the moment. Like they're doing one thing and all of a sudden something happens. And they're making another decision or they're making a decision and it, and it, it's telling because you can see them stuck in this rut and whether or not they act upon it today or tomorrow or the next day, they do, you know, it's like this compulsion. Wouldn't it be good to know that? 
Wouldn't it be good to know and be able to control that? I I just wonder, are we just self-aggrandizing animals that believe themselves to be amazing, but, you know, this super-intelligent alien, this AI, this thing that's above us, might look at us and be able to predict our behavior just as we can predict the behaviors of animals. Wouldn't that be funny, you know? And the thing is, over the, the, the macro, you know, looking at collective humans, we sort of can predict what they will do. We, from our own limited perspective, can. Now, obviously, the feats of humanity are incomparable to that of an animal. Look at what we've built. Look at what we've done. But, like, compare what we've built and done to an ant or a termite. You know, that's building their their dens or their mounds, right? Termite mounds can survive in the desert by a complex sort of um, web of uh, holes and things that sort of cool the top half by, you know, circulating air down to the bottom half and stuff. Now, you can argue that that behavior is evolutionarily innate. Fair enough. And that, like, you know, we've gone to space. How is that evolutionarily um, warranted? And, you know, on the surface level, it's not. But if you step outside ourselves far enough and look at sort of like the whole planet from a detached perspective, you could look at humanity as sort of like a meta animal, a collective animal. It feels like we're all individual because in a way we are, but collectively we do our greatness, right? We build cities, we create, we invent, we do, right? Together and alone. What can a, what can a human do alone? Just like what can an ant do alone? It would wither and die most of the time. It's just that we feel like we have this control. We feel like we have this sort of choice, this individuality. And we do. I'm free to choose any course, in a sense. But if I want to live, if I want to function, if I want to thrive, I'm forced to follow social norms. I'm forced to go to work. I'm forced to buy in to the society that I've been born into. And this just happens to be the society that I've been born into, right? That values what it values and puts forth what it puts forth and has the technology capability what it has, right? But, you know, like the, 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 the effort for me to be able to step outside this and still just even live is astronomical. And yes, some people do choose to do that, but even like every individual's behavior can be mapped to this overarching thing. You know, the, uh, the alien sociologist investigating humanity would be like, yes, there's a, you know, 0.01% chance that your chosen human will choose to leave society and become a, a hermit, right? But if you look at the human on a global perspective, we live, you know, on average 80 years or whatever, we tend to, to, desire um, more and more social contact. We build up structures that help facilitate communication and education and, and, and hospital and all of that sort of stuff. What am I driving at? I don't even know. I mean, I'll put it this way. The meta discussion of this podcast is I was sitting outside meditating and then this thought came to me. I've had this thought again, but I'm like, you know what? I want to explore this and investigate this. I'll put it onto a podcast. And now I'm here talking about it. I didn't really plan what I was going to say in this podcast. It just comes. So how much of it was my choice? I could have chosen not to record. 
but then I would have been outside or inside or whatever doing my day, thinking about the fact that I didn't do this, what I've missed, what I've missed sharing. So I either had the choice to post, to record and post, or to not and sort of lament in the fact that I didn't. Or did I even have a choice for that? You know, I came inside and I was able to record and now we're here. I mean, this, this then goes into this, this, this issues space, this dark space, this problematic space of criminality, of illegality. You know, someone commits a crime. Were they, are they responsible? Well, based on what I'm saying, in a way, no. But does that mean they shouldn't be locked up and punished? Well, they probably should be, right? Because if a person's innate, animalistic, instinctual, deterministic desires cause them to commit harm and crime, they probably shouldn't be free to commit those crimes, or they should be punished for those crimes, to dissuade others, because there's that functional use of that behavior. But even so, the, the response of society to those behaviors could itself be a function of this same, con- this same concept. We, if you, if you study history, you sort of get this idea of trends and forces. There's two ways you can look at history. Trends and forces or the great person thing of history. The idea being with the great person thing of history is that, you know, it takes a great person to lead a society down a certain path. But eventually and inevitably, the forces take over. Like how far into the First World War build-up or mobilization could anyone have stopped what happened? Or the Civil War? Or, you know, the pandemic? Or, you know, any anything that has happened in history, right? It comes to a stage where no one person could have stopped what they started. So you can argue that we're, we're sort of being pulled along by the forces of history, the trends, the environmental factors, the te- technology, right? We, no, neither you nor I have the ability to impact technology. We can either get on board and buy the new phone, you know, and engage with society as we choose to engage, you know, online spaces, or we don't. Just like back in the day, you could choose to read the newspaper, or you could choose to attend the the city square, you know, a city itself is a form of technology, right? Writing itself is technology. You could argue even that communication, the ability to use language, speaking with words, is itself a technology, right? So you can choose to engage with the technology or you don't. And that leads to a lot of questions of even if you have the free choice, it's like, okay, you have the choice, but you have the choice to choose what to do within this box. By the time you even understand the concepts that I'm saying here, You've been conditioned, you've been taught, you know how to speak and read in your language, in the context of your time. So you are now irreparably changed from the baby that you were. You know, you put the same baby as you in a pre-language society. You are certainly not the same person as you are now. You put the same baby in a language that operates completely differently. You know, it doesn't use the same structures that we use, but it, it sort of, you know, has, has, um, free word order or it, um, I mean, there's, there's different ways to structure language that, that goes beyond my ability to explain because I'm not a linguist, but suffice to say, there's different ways that we can talk that are sort of alien in the same way that, you know, you'll have a different operating system on a computer, you know, Linux versus Windows versus 
Apple, whatever Apple use. <laughs> Sorry, Apple people. Um, it's a completely different way of looking, you know. And imagine if a alien had have made a computer, what would its operating system be, right? They still might be able to do and access the same sort of level of functionality, but the back-end coding would be different, and that back-end coding would result in different ways to interpret and look at data, i.e. how we see the world. My son had a dream, and in his dream, he he said to me, he's like, I paused the dream, then I fast-forwarded it, and then I played it. And what happened in the dream really isn't important for this point, but the fact that he was using words like pause and play and fast-forward said something to me. It's like, if he was born in a time before television, before smartphones, before pausing and playing, what would he have interpreted that he was doing? You know, let's imagine he had that same dream in the 1600s or, you know, the 100s, right? He would be doing the same thing to his dream, pausing, playing, fast-forwarding, rewinding, whatever. But he wouldn't be able to explain it with those words. So his ability to interface with reality is, in fact, dictated by the reality that he's interfacing with. Does that sort of make sense? It leads to some interesting things, interesting um, contemplations. It sort of leads me down this path of, uh, say, inebriation, right? You know when you've been drinking or you're getting high in some capacity and you're like, you're trying to judge whether you are or are not able to drive, are you under the limit? The reason you can't judge, the reason you should use maybe some sort of device to measure or failing that a sober person is because the thing that is judging sobriety is itself inebriated, right? You're trying to judge your own sobriety through the lens of insobriety. If you're at 0.05, 0.08, or whatever your legal limit is, 0.1, you are not you are not sober. And the thing that is judging your sobriety is itself compromised. Thus, how do you know? You can't you can't be certain. Now, in that mode, you will think that you're fine. And you provide rationalizations as to why you are fine and why you know you are fine. But the thing is, those rationalizations are tweaked via the logic of the drunk mind. So you still don't know, but it feels like you do. And the same thing is true for hyper-emotionality, for this irrationality. I'm making these decisions because of X, Y, Z. But the thing is, if you're emotionally compromised, you don't know. You don't know that you are compromised, right? You just simply don't. But it will feel like that you are fine. It will feel like that you are, quote, sober, end quote, right? You know, if you've just broken up with someone, you've just been fired, something emotional has just happened, it will feel like you are making rational decisions that day because the thing making the decisions is itself compromised, but it might not realize that it's compromised or not as much. This is why I always suggest the idea of sleeping on it. You should sleep on your decisions because how do you know that they are the right decisions? How do you know that you are making a choice that is rational? Now, upon coming back to that decision, you still don't know if you're rational, but at least you know that you are not in the same state as the the thing that was initially making that decision. There's been so many times that I've tried to make a decision, I've slept on it, and then chose not to. 
you know, how many thoughts have you had with your partner of, you know, flash moments of thoughts of like, why am I with this person? Or at your job of like, I, I just don't want to work here, you know, or your home, you've been, you know, I should just move, right? I should punch this person in the face. I should cut them off. I should scream. I should kill this person, right? These thoughts come up and you'd be lying to say that they don't come up for you. But most of the time, hopefully, you don't act upon them instantly. You will think about it. You'll pause and then you'll decide, well, mm, actually, I need to make a rational decision here. I guess that's why premeditated murder is far more punished because you've thought about it and in cold blood you've taken that action, right? Whereas if you flash rage do it, there's a there's a difference, and fair enough. I'm not advocating uh, any of that sort of behavior, obviously. Um, but most of the time, if you sleep on it, if you detach from it, if you give yourself a long view, you will see more of of what you what you were trying to accomplish. That said, when I step back, when I pause, when I consider, I feel trapped by the irrationality of my own mind. Why am I doing what am I doing? You know, why am I doing what I'm doing here? Why am I, why do I write? Why do I share? Why do I create? I've, I've recently, well, not recently, but you know, in the last couple of months started another podcast, the Kinky Conversations podcast. And I'll chuck a link into the, into the show notes on this one, but it's about sex, sexuality. It's quite, um, adult, we'll put it that way. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. But part of me wonders why. What is my back-end reasoning for doing doing that podcast, right? Because it's confronting, you know. Sometimes I'll find myself getting stoned. And um, it's always interesting. It either unlocks what I should do next or it highlights what I am doing. And... And I uh, look at what I'm doing and I'm like, you know, you realize you're putting yourself online. You realize that people know you in a way that's very vulnerable, that's very true, that's very real, right? And it's confronting. And I don't know, I I then look back at it and go, well, I don't really have a choice. You know, I don't seem to have a choice as to what I'm doing here. It doesn't feel like it. I feel compelled. I struggle to work full time. I don't think that's possible for me. I end up going insane. I end up getting depressed and suicidal. So then I try and work part-time. Part-time doesn't earn me enough income. So then it's like, okay, maybe I can make something of this online space. So I write and I post and I share. But then it's like, do I have a choice in that? You know, I, I feel I feel pushed into this space. But then it also seems to suit my mental space. And if it was working, you know, then great. And this idea that crazy or erratic people only seem that way until they're successful and then they seem visionary. Am I crazy or irrational? Perhaps, but that depends on what your version of success is, right? <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I wonder, but then I also recognize my inability to choose. You know, when I'm writing a lot of the time, the words just come. It's like, here, this is a poem and it just comes. Do I have a choice in that? Well, maybe, but if I try to force it, the result seems less pure, seems less true. People don't connect to it as much. But when I just let it flow and then share and be brave and just put myself out there, people seem to appreciate. People seem to connect to it. It's like I'm speaking a truth. It's like I've got out of my own way. It's like I've embraced the irrationality 
and just put it out there. And it's just got to convince that 10% of my rational brain to be like, yeah, put this out there, it's fine. And on that, on this idea of memory, on this idea of what I will leave, I'm aware I've got this rational thought of, you know, I'm going to die eventually. We all are. What does it matter if you know me? What does it matter if I'm exposed to the world? What does it matter if you know my inner demons? Maybe, you know, like, what, what, what does that even, it means nothing, really. It just, so why not? Why not share? Why not try and help heal some pain that everyone's going through? Maybe that will cause people's rational decisions to, to, uh, to be a little bit more positive towards others. Maybe that'll help the world. But once again, is any of this even my choice? I don't know. But I ask you, if you have some choice to um, consider rating and reviewing this podcast, consider checking out my work, grabbing a copy of my books, and consider sticking around because I'm going to play you a piece from one of those books. Enjoy, and have a great day. Back to scrolling. Mindless scrolling, looking for validation online, filling the time, filling the void. Someone just liked my post, fleeting happiness. Back to scrolling, changing apps, scrolling again, changing apps back. Another like, but not from someone I like. I'm offended, comment. I'm offended, share. I wonder what she's doing. Damn, she's still happy with him. Food as art. Bodies as art. Life as art. How unattainable. I'm jealous. You have memories from seven years ago. Cringe. Ten things you won't believe. Ten times they got it wrong. Ten posts to distract you from your own existence. Screen time report. Usage up from last week. Porn, 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 shame. Close all open tabs. Delete the last hour. Half-formed thought. Tweet. OMG, a retweet. Just a bot. Bad news. More bad news. Memes about the news. Memes about memes. Sharing memes. I should work. Scroll. I should clean. Scroll. I should exercise. Scroll. I need to sleep. Scroll. Check one app. Check another. Check a third app. Recheck the first. Back to scrolling.